Hello, I'm Nadia Singh, and welcome to IDSA's COVID-19 podcast series, which aims to keep IDSA members, medical professionals, and the public informed during this pandemic by speaking with experts in the field of infectious diseases. In this episode, we'll be discussing how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting sports and sports teams and what measures can be taken to enjoy them safely. To address these are IDSA members Dr. John Swartzberg with the University of California and Dr. Colleen Kraft of Emory University. Thank you both for being here. I'd like to pose this first question to both of you. Dr. Kraft, I'll start with you, though. Is it safe to play sports right now at any level, be it lower school, high school, college, and even professional? We are in a state right now where we need to be transitioning to living with COVID. And so while we can say it may be safe for us to play at these different areas, it is really a time now for all levels of sports to be thinking creatively and innovatively about how they protect both their athletes uh, as well as their coaches and even the fans. And so I think it really depends on what interventions are occurring in order to keep people safe during, during the play of sports. At all levels of sports, there is a risk, there is added risk to contracting COVID and perhaps added risk to um, serious illness. And hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about that in a little while. I think you can stratify the sports in terms of the degrees of risk. For example, track and field, bowling, golf, skiing, to some degree, swimming and diving, tennis. These can be much safer than, for example, basketball and football, uh, lacrosse, uh, rowing, volleyball. Etc. So uh, we can stratify the risk of some of these sports. And for example, with the lower risk sports, uh, they, with proper precautions, perhaps they can be instituted. I think with the higher risk sports, I don't feel that they should be participated in at this time. Thank you both for your answers. Recently, a group of Pac-12 football players threatened to opt out of the coming season unless concerns about competing during the pandemic were addressed. Dr. Kraft, do you think we'll see more of this in the coming weeks? Uh, Nadia, I certainly hope so. I think one of the things we need to um, discuss and have as part of our daily conversation is do our um, constituents, you know, for me right now, it's the patients in the hospital and my healthcare workers um, that I go around and ask if they are safe and supported. Everybody who is involved in some sort of group activity um, and you know, for businesses, as a matter of fact, all of these types of groups need to have the ability to articulate whether or not they feel safe and supported uh, in their activity. And so um, I don't know, I can't predict that we're gonna see more um, you know, uh, concerns that are brought up in sort of a focused way, um, but having been on the NCAA task force, you know, this is certainly something that um, that they have taken very seriously in order to, you know, make sure that there's discrete guidance, um, make sure that there's clear scenarios in which um, athletes can feel safe. And what Dr. Schwartzberg also mentioned earlier was the fact that um, they have categorized sports as low risk, medium risk, and high risk. And so your creativity and innovation should probably be focused on high-risk sports or, you know, the consideration of canceling altogether. And all of that has to be made sort of, I think, with the athletes and coaches in mind. It can't just be made by a a removed group. I also very much welcomed the Pac-12 athlete statement that they made, I think, to the entire nation. 
And of course, their statement wasn't on an island. That is, it came from a lot of different areas, not just in regards to COVID. Uh, the majority of the athletes, certainly in football, are African-American. And this has been a, such a tumultuous time for the entire country, given the issues about African-Americans in the American society. Uh, so there were a lot of issues surrounding that that are becoming, that they conflated with the issues of safety. That said, I think the athletes' concerns about safety are very valid. They're like a patient coming to a doctor and saying, doc, I'm worried about my health, can you help me? And as an infectious disease specialist, I am concerned about their health if they participate in a high-risk sport. So I think that um, their, their concerns that they expressed in their manifesto need to be taken seriously. I know from speaking with colleagues involved in this with the PAC-12, they are taking it extremely seriously. And I think there, there's a tremendous synergy between what medicine needs to achieve and public health needs to achieve and what these athletes are asking for. All great points. And thank you both for lending your firsthand expertise to that question. Dr. Swartzberg, I'd like to stay with you. Doesn't travel, as related largely to college and professional sports, pose an added risk due to the number of extra people traveling with the team, including coaches, medical staff, and the media? Absolutely. I think often travel gets lost in the discussion. You know, we talk about high-risk sports like football and basketball, where people are coming into very close proximity, breathing heavily, yelling, etc. But we forget often to include in the discussion, how will teams play each other? To participate in intercollegiate athletics or professional athletics, and sometimes in high school athletics, it requires transportation and sometimes of very significant distances. That often requires flying on an airplane, which I consider uh, a very hazardous event, not just flying on the airplane, but going through two airports uh, just to get to the place you want to go to to play. And then, of course, staying in a hotel and the transportation between the stadium and the hotel and the stadium and the um, airport. So there, there are all sorts of hazards involved in the transportation issues that uh, I think clearly have to go into the calculus of how we look at the safety of the sports. Some sports um, in college, for example, with football, they often will uh, charter a plane for the athletes because it's, there may be 120 football players and uh, a variety of staff and um, coaches, the coaches being older, of course, and the staff often being older and at increased risk of uh, consequences from COVID. Uh, <clears throat> so at least the chartering of a plane helps mitigate to some extent the risk you're still cramming a lot of people into uh, one small setting. Basketball, they don't charter planes in um, college sports uh, because the numbers are just too small to do that and the expense much too great because of the basketball schedules. So travel is much more hazardous, for example, for basketball, but travel in general adds a, another layer of um, risk to all of the players. Something that we are learning a lot about in all of our all of our aspects of of going about our daily work is the things that we did not really understand regarding um, you know sort of the pragmatic issues of how you play your sport but how you get to your sport right um, thinking about fans and how crowded fan um, bases can be 
you know, all of these things become called into question as, as we evaluate how we're going to sort of go back to a living with COVID scenario. Dr. Kraft, I'd like to stay with you if I could. It's a subject that's been causing a, a lot of controversy lately. And this question is around whether wearing face shields and other face coverings during play could reduce the threat of spread. Is a mask mandate for playing the answer? This is a really great question. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about it, specifically related to public health, that we should absolutely be all wearing masks, uh, that my mask protects you, your mask protects me, that I view masks as a version of source control. You know, I've had a number of questions about aren't masks just for sick people? But really, I think if we could really get this as an as a widespread public health practice, I think we could be having less discussions about COVID in sports because we would just have less COVID. I think anything that you're gonna do to protect hygiene and the spread of you know, bodily fluids such as coughing, sneezing, you know, saliva between players, I think will um, impact transmission. Whether there's a prospective study that, that uh, supports that information, I, I, don't, I don't think that exists yet. Um, and I think it's also difficult to think about the effects of how that will be on the performance of the sport. Uh, as somebody that is not, uh, that jogs, just trying to think about wearing a face shield while jogging sounds very difficult. And so um, I know that uh, for football players, they've talked about putting some shielding in their helmets, which I think makes a little bit more sense, but I'm sure it could affect hearing, uh, affect line of sight. And so I think, you know, um, I do think that having protection such as face shields and different items would help prevent transmission. It's just not clear. I, I think there's gonna be a couple of other things we have to do such as really cleaning down surfaces, you know, making sure that people are spread apart when they're just sitting on the sideline. Some of these other interventions are also gonna be really important besides just face shields. In the setting of sports and masks and sports and face shields, there's very, very little science to guide us, unfortunately. We've looked at um, the athletes on the playing football this summer in terms of practice, really just strength and conditioning. And so far they've been amenable to wearing a mask. The question really comes up during competition, will wearing a mask, A, be helpful, and will the players be really able to do it? We know when masks get wet, um, their efficacy dramatically drops, sometimes to almost zero in terms of protecting others, which presents a problem in and of itself. The face shields we've looked at, a lot of the players who tried wearing them under their helmets uh, didn't like wearing them. They felt it really impaired their vision. Uh, so I'm not sure that face shields are going to be helpful. And it's a little difficult to imagine face shields uh, being worn in other high-risk sports such as basketball or field hockey or lacrosse. I'd like to emphasize what Dr. Kraft said though. We're talking about the use of masks and perhaps face shields in sports to help mitigate the risk. Um, when we're talking about the use of masks outside of sports, they are absolutely critical, just like Dr. Kraft said. Thank you for your perspectives there, doctors. Bowl games and championships are huge economic boosters for the cities that they're held in. Unfortunately, the COVID-19 pandemic may cause them to be postponed or canceled. Can these games still be played safely, Dr. Schwartzberg, if social distancing measures are in place for spectators, coaches, and other staff? The 
bringing together of large groups of people in the midst of a pandemic is not wise. So I think the answer is that they can't be done safely. And I don't think they should be done in terms of having fans at any of these games. Bringing the players together has the same problems we've been talking about in terms of transportation um, and how carefully the players are being screened for infection before uh, the games. So I think even the bowl games present a lot of obstacles to safety. I want to add something to that, and that is you mentioned in your question the economics of this. And the economics are enormous. Uh, schools are talking about losing millions and millions of dollars without playing football. And at least at my university, UC Berkeley, football essentially pays for all of the other sports with the exception of basketball, which is revenue neutral. So without football, it's hard to entertain on the intercollegiate level the ability for universities already under tremendous financial stress to have these other sports play as well. So if we lose these sports like football and basketball, it's hard to find the money to uh, pay for these other sports. I'm, I'm dilating on that for a moment because the money insinuates itself into what otherwise should be a medical discussion. And it's not up to the medical doctors whether these sports are going to be played. It's up to the universities themselves. And there's tremendous pressure on the universities that are already, most of, most of the universities of which are, are really taking a major financial hit from the pandemic. Um, and to lose more money from the sports is a very, makes the decision even more difficult for the administrators. Still, I think this is a medical decision and we should be confining our discussion solely to the safety of our student athletes. One thing that we've learned through this pandemic is that all of these factors are really influencing each other. We want to be focused on public health. That's, I mean, obviously as physicians, that's our most important focus is the care of our patients and the care of the public. But we also, I think, need to make the connection as a public that our actions or lack of actions are affecting our larger economic strata. And I think people understand that very acutely from their own personal pocketbook aspects. Um, I don't think there's a single individual in the United States that hasn't been affected economically by this pandemic. But I think we also, as somebody that's been trying to motivate individuals to take control of their own person and their own risk by being very focused on wearing masks, risk mitigating in the areas where they live and work, and uh, you know, doing copious hand sanitizer and hand washing. I think that if, if this could even be a focus of a motivation to get everybody out there to sort of focus, uh, wear a mask, let's get through this, so that, let's stop the transmission, um, so that we can actually get back to doing some of these things, because I'm, I'm very concerned, as was already articulated, that we're going to see some pretty significant, um, you know, closures, even, I mean, if you think about academics and universities, that to me would be a sad tribute to just the lack of, of mask wearing as, as a public. And so I don't know how to frame the discussion to sort of motivate people where they are 
to use this as part of their personal responsibility, even if they sort of in theory don't agree. I think those sentiments echo what most people in this country are feeling right now, Dr. Kraft. Thank you both for your insights. For this last question, I'd like to pose it to both of you. Can you offer some recommendations for a safe return to sports and group physical activity? And is there such a thing right now, Dr. Schwartzberg? I would again look at the, um, the relative risks of different sports that we've talked about before. And certainly the uh, return to swimming, as long as the pool isn't crowded and you can maintain social distancing, swimming, diving, golf, bowling, track and field, tennis. I think those things, uh, it's very easy to mitigate risk tremendously and, and keep these sports safe at all levels. I think where the, the biggest problems are, of course, are in the high risk and even medium risk contact sports. So I think people need to look at each of the sports a little bit differently in terms of making decisions about returning to them. Um, in terms of going back to sports, um, again, it, it comes to the standard mitigation of COVID in general. And that is people need to be doing the right things at home in terms of social distancing, not having contact with lots of people. When I say lots of people outside of your home, really very careful in terms of your contact. And when you have to have contact with the public, doing it in the ways that public health has been iterating now for months, and that is social distancing, good hand hygiene, and the bottom line, and arguably the most important thing is wearing a mask. So I think that families that are considering sports for their children, college athletes, professional athletes, all the athletes have to look at their conduct outside of the sport. And the better their conduct is there, the more likely they can participate in a sport and keep it safe for others. Some of my concerns about um, COVID and sports are really about COVID in general. And that is, if sports increase the risk of a, a person to contract an, a, an infection from SARS-CoV-2, this raises the concern about what will be the sequelae of that. I'm specifically thinking about the uh, about two or three weeks ago, the reports actually about uh, the effects of SARS-CoV-2 on the heart. Uh, the report out of Germany was very disconcerting and there's been considerable data now accumulating, although not yet published, in athletes here in um, the United States who have had infections and then are showing changes even weeks later on uh, MRI studies in their heart. And we don't really know the extent of uh, cardiac involvement with this virus and what the implications of that are for an individual who's not participating in sports, much less someone who is stressing their cardiovascular system. And I think, you know, it's interesting when you look at this pandemic, it's, it seems like every month or two, we learn something new about this dance between SARS-CoV-2 and human beings in terms of the myriad sequelae of that relationship. I don't know what we're gonna learn in the next month or two, but just looking at that one issue about the heart and sports really makes me even more concerned about the safety of um, athletes putting themselves at increased risk because of the competition and then perhaps putting their hearts at increased risk because of the stress that it may put on them. 
I do think that our, our long-term consequences are, are actually still, as Dr. Schwarzberg already said, they're still being discovered and that should even make us all the more reticent to sort of uh, jump into this. I think we're really seeing a culture that kind of is, is tired of the pandemic and is ready to be done. And I totally get that perspective. You know, just even based on what you just said, Dr. Schwartzberg, I feel like, is it the best message to even give guidelines? Should the message just be, we want everybody protected and them safe. And so doing something that's elective and voluntary that, in, that is sports, you know, should that be considered, you know, too risky for lungs, for hearts, uh, you know, not the stuff that's coming out about central nervous system infections. You know, I don't know that we would continue sports if, if so much sequelae would happen after an infection, you know, for any other infection. Um, but I think we find ourselves in a, in a time of a lot of information, a lot of confusion, you know, while these schools and NCAA have been trying to uh, give guidance, I think, you know, bringing it back to sort of the main question, which is, you know, I think you asked at the beginning, Nadia, which is, is it safe? And we would say it's not safe if, they're, if there's a possibility they could contract COVID-19 and there is a possibility they can contract COVID-19. So I think that's sort of where the discussion leaves me is just, again, with utmost concern, you know, obviously for the athletes, but I also think coaches and other support services are going to be at, at a higher risk than, than maybe they should be. Excellent points and an excellent conversation. Thank you, Dr. Swartzberg and Kraft for your time, participation, and expertise. For the latest information and resources on the COVID-19 pandemic, visit IDSA's website, idsociety.org, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Tune in next time as another diverse panel of medical experts discusses the very latest on this rapidly evolving pandemic. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast. I'm Nadia Singh.